Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrewer and I'm here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing averages. So Peter, one definition of an average is a single number that represents a set of numbers. Um, can you start us off by answering how that function is useful? Sure. sure. So um, decision makers um, are often held distinct from analysts uh, in organisations, um, particularly in government. That distinction is actually uh, sort of written in policy. Um, and it's the decision maker's job to make the call at the end of the day. His job is to take into account the information he's given, um, including what the political aims are, what the what history, what historical examples tell us, and decide what is the best thing to do. And it's the analyst's job to provide him with some of that information that he needs to do that job. Um, so it's it and this these this these two roles exist because it's necessary for um, the decision maker to be separate from the analyst because you need um, a lot of information to be distilled and aggregated into a smaller set of information and and that's really what an average does it, it takes a big body of information and puts one number to describe all of that that information which is uh, a, a summary descriptor of everything there so it, it aggregates lots of information into a small amount of information it sort of compresses the information into a smaller space to let the decision maker take on board more data sets um, than they would have otherwise had capacity for. Now, that's, that, uh, that explains why it's useful, but it doesn't explain um, uh, how to do it. And uh, this is, that's where it becomes much more uh, complicated. Now, there are many different types of averages. And depending on what the data is saying uh, and what the data is about, your choice of, your choice of average will be different. Um, and so um, your arithmetic mean might give, be misleading compared to, say, the mode or the median, mm -hmm. depending on what it is you're looking at. Um, now, the average itself is a model of the information. It's just a very simple way of describing this information. And as we know, any model will be will be uh, a, an incorrect version of the a vision of the real world. Mm -hmm. um, and so, it's very important to take that into account so decide on your just choose your average carefully um to, to describe your information accurately okay um where do we want to go from here i mean we can talk about the history of averages or yeah i mean it's quite it was interesting to think about when why averages were first actually used in in science and it was to minimize errors so people would or at least not minimize but to try and sort of get rid of the influence of errors um if people were making observation about for example the position of a planet uh, or the weight of a particular element or something, uh, they would repeat that observation several times and take the average. The assumption being that on any one of those observations, there might be some kind of error, you know, some sort of human error or something to do with the measuring equipment, which would bias uh, bias that measurement in that particular for that particular observation. But if you take lots of them, those errors will sort of cancel cancel out. Um, and actually, I, th I think that's where we get the term error, which has a very specific meaning in statistics. Um, but I, I want to frame this in terms of this this discussion of averages. There's sort of why what the role that averages have is sometimes is a kind of instrumental one. 
which is that as a very general formulation of what we're trying to do when we're analyzing things is we have some data and what we're trying to do is recover the process that generated that data. We're trying to make inferences from just the data points we have to what the thing was that produced those data in the first place. That's what hypothesis testing is, right? So, so you know, when we have, uh, we've, we've, got, we've got some observations about men and women and their heights, right? And um, we, if we, if we're, what we, we might want to know, what's the probability of some random man being taller than some random woman? And we might try and build a model of uh, of the thing that generated those heights. So we got, you know, we take the heights of, of 100 men, 100 women, and um, they're, they're just a set of numbers, right? What we're interested in is what's the what's the process that has generated those things. And the process in the real in the real world is going to be, you know, what are the things that influence the growth of a human. And we might be interested in the extent to which that human's gender uh, has an impact on on their height. And the average is going to be one of the key things we're going to look at there when we're trying to trying to build a model of the of the data generating process. But it won't be the only thing, of course. I mean, it doesn't because it doesn't tell you about the spread. You know, it just tells you about the 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 average. So, you know, which is uh, has a very specific definition. But we're also interested in the spread. I mean, it might be that women are both shorter and you know more tightly clustered or or whatever. So there's another thing you want to know. And then going going beyond uh, the spread or the variance, you know, there are other measures of data. Um, which will tell you more about the shape of that distribution, how spread out it is, how peaked it is, um, whether or not it's skewed to one side or the other. And um, and all of those things are tools that you can use to try and pull out from a set of data what the shape of the underlying uh, process is. But I, I think, you know, the question is whether or not it has a there's something inherently useful about an average and i think you know theoretically at least there isn't it doesn't tell you anything that isn't already in the data in fact it you know it contains a lot less information than the data itself so so the and, and so the two questions here really firstly you know do we do uh, we take averages ultimately and to talk about them and write about them uh, simply because it's easier for us to understand so it's it's circumventing a cognitive limitation and if so you know with the rise of uh, machine um, inference and and big data will will we uh, no longer really need them mm-hmm. okay so that's what I wanted to come on to um is cognitive limitation um before we do go on to there is anything you want to add at this point peter well only to to flesh out the i mean the, the all of these these tools that nick describes they the, the averages of different types of different this these different um uh, statistical descriptors of data they're all models in their own right there's a sort of simple simplified version of a thing um now there is there are there are lots of problems with models and one interesting one is rarefication fallacy where you start believing that the model is the thing so if you if you're only given descriptive statistics say the the the, the variance and the average of 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 a of a data set um then you would be reasonable for you to assume that it had a normal distribution and therefore this normal distribution fully represents the model and every this the, the real world thing that produces this data is essentially a normal distribution random number generator um, but that's not the case you know it's going to be a much more complicated system if it's a real world system um, uh, but it's it's a it's an interesting fallacy to be aware of is where you start believing that the model fully represents the real world thing that you're that you're considering 
Sure, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's the the map is not the territory, as it's yeah. often quoted. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, so we started talking there. So I'm going to summarize. Correct me if I'm wrong, but average is useful. Averages are a useful tool um, to understand data, and one of the reasons why they're useful, or mainly the principal reason why they're useful, is because of cognitive limitations. Um, we can't possibly understand all the data that's out there, and this just helps us to do so. Okay, um, and one thing, and we've talked about the history there uh, of averages. So let's sort of look in the other direction. And one thing you were starting to talk about there, Nick, um, is um, I guess we're talking machines, technology, computers. Um, does that alter the landscape? Um, does that alter cognitive limitations? Well, I, I mean, I think the what I'm referring to really is the fact that we should expect more and more our statistical testing, if you like, the the testing of theories, the test and the finding of theories. So the the the, the finding of those, what we're trying to do is essentially find out what the what the real world process was that produced the data we have. Um, more and more, we will see that being done by machines. So. You know, at the moment, we, we get, if I give you a, a chart with two uh, you, you massive data sets on them, you've got the, a big load of red blobs representing, you know, one category of person, a big load of blue blobs representing another category of person. Um, if you've got enough data points and they're sufficiently messy, you are not going to be able to tell by eye, you as a human are not going to be able to tell whether there's any interesting differences between those two but a machine will i mean it will say okay there's there is um you know there is a difference in the average of these two categories and it's statistically significant meaning whatever that means and um uh, and so do we will we need i mean the the idea is you know will in future should will we expect to be presenting statistics to to humans and saying like here's the numbers that what do you think or will we have to take the word of um some kind of uh inference algorithm which has done it's done the sums and it just you know it's identified that the process probably has these characteristics uh, but we might might not necessarily be able to follow that the statistical reasoning because it'll be too complex for us and it's something we touched on when we talked about AlphaGo a few weeks ago uh, the 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 go playing artificial intelligence that we should expect to see machines um doing things and f forming giving us beliefs that we don't understand ourselves we're not capable of following exactly why it's uh, why those conclusions have been reached um, so, yeah, I mean, I, what I'm saying is I think in future, the, the idea of being given descriptive statistics and expecting to be informed by that uh, may be something which is going to gradually be replaced by simply being given the conclusions of, um, of, of uh, inference algorithms that we trust. And I don't think it's a million miles away from what generally happens So already. So um, you have people conducting analysis on your behalf if you're a decision maker often, uh, you're presented with various summary statistics and pieces of information, but do you actually know how that was generated all the time? Do you, know, do you, do you understand the data itself? No, because you've got people who do that for you and then provide you with advice on what is most likely to happen or what is the most um, uh, risky thing or what is the, most, what is the highest expected outcome. Um, so it's not a you're just trading one black box for another one happens to have humans yeah. in it and the other one now has a an ai in it 
Yeah, I mean, you, you, I know there are some people who sort of don't don't really trust their sat nav and like to second guess it, you know, and say, oh, well, they must, you know, that doesn't know, it must not know about these shortcuts. It can't be can't be really optimizing. It's not taking account of the traffic on the North Circular and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, if that's true, it won't be true for much longer, right? There, they're going to be they sat navs are going to at some point be absolutely optimal at finding the quickest route and um you know are we going to ask for the audit trail do, do we expect to be able to understand what an audit trail will look like you know it's going to take account of a statistical model of of uh lengths and times which is going to be informed by a vast amount of data about about observed traffic flows you know where it's going to say look we we know that at, you know 14 minutes past two at this time on that stretch of road it will on average take you know nine minutes to get from here to there and and that we'll just have to take take its word for it you know because because what's the data set going to look like it's going to be too vast for any human to potentially understand you will you will be able to ask the the audit trail and it would you could ask the computer to present it in such a way that's human readable and understandable but it might be so vast it would be an intractable read yeah yeah and i i, f- I feel like the the data would the, the the presenting it in a human readable fashion wouldn't be that much different to simply telling someone the right way to go you know it would it would look pretty much like the route on a sat nap yeah yeah what's interesting though is you strike me as the sort of guys who um kind of care about what's going on underneath the hood okay and um and i mean and also it's this question of which we talked about in another podcast um of civil servants versus politicians um because one of the things you said earlier, so first of all, it's about it's a refining of that process. And two, does this decision maker actually care beyond the point of this is better information or not? OK, and because I must admit, for, for a lot of this, I just go, oh, God, let's just I don't, I don't care, you know, but I guess I, I'm pleased a bit like the Church of England. I'm pleased that there's people that sort of are doing this sort of stuff. I don't want to, you know, but I don't want to get involved myself. But um, I don't know what my point is, but actually sat navs gives a good way into this for me because i.e makes it more understandable for me because i think what's interesting is is i use about three different sat navs at the moment all at the same time and one of them is just a sort of an old-fashioned 10 years old um tom tom right which i think is pretty fixed in the way it does stuff i always also use um google maps okay and i think it's interesting often the difference between the two i don't know how so google maps i think it uses but it's more it uses other inputs right so and it will be constantly changing to do with traffic etc how it sources it i don't know but it sources it from your phone from mm, it'll users. work out how quickly your phone's moving along no the road. no no but no but it will talk about traffic ahead as well and things like that so uh, you're not just your phone but from your, from other people's from phones or in the wider sense from other people's phones but how does it know about the traffic i guess how fast they're moving or not right yeah how fast but, they're moving and how fast they should be moving for that class of road. okay so and already that makes me go wow that's pretty cool but i discovered a new app last week which i don't know if you're familiar with called Waze, which is spelled w-a-z-e okay which apparently is even more accurate than google maps and what it does it it relies on peer um, input as well so it relies on someone going hey i'm here and there's really bad traffic or there's been a, a you know pigeons just flown under a under a under a truck or something i don't know <laughs> although that probably wouldn't hold up traffic too much but <laughs> but um but i think what's interesting if it was is- an elk yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. yeah a pigeon not so much yeah that one's just for information yeah, yeah. Oh, a bit a bee has been sighted <laughs> in the middle of the uh the a41 yeah but apparently and i don't know this is a bit i don't know if it's true but i think it's even more sensitive and and it's i guess it's all it's crowdsourcing right and um and it's going even a little bit further but i think what was was the irony here is that it's 
its, its actual human input into this system, which is making it even more accurate. Um, well, I, I'd be interested to see if it is actually more accurate. Uh, if if you if if you can expect more efficient journeys with your with Waze versus uh, Google Maps, mm-hmm. because um, uh, hu- humans generally, if you're designing a system, you try and look for ways of taking the humans out of the loop, uh, because they they only really introduce error rather than eliminating it. So if you can source the same information, uh, and I think uh, an automated process of the phone just reporting its speed. Um, back to back to the google server and the google server then knowing for that road it's likely on what it's sh- how fast it should be going is probably more use probably better than people saying oh i've been sat here for 10 minutes i'm uh in traffic but it's it's interesting here i mean this is this it, i've been struck by a thought really which is that you know we're we're usually we're fairly skeptical of the idea that expertise by itself is going to make you necessarily good at uh, doing analysis, right? At knowing about stuff. Um, but the situation you've described here is a bit like the situation of being presented with the analysis of three different experts yeah. who have different background, perhaps a different record, you know, different methods. Um, and you don't, and I think that's a position a lot of people are in. Uh, in, you know, we, we are in the position of listening to. I mean, you know, people make economic forecasts and three people might disagree with one another. Um, and we, we have to sort of decide how much we trust them. And uh, I th- I think it's interesting, the idea that actually we are moving through a situation where um, we can improve human analysis, make it better until eventually we get to the other side. And we are really sort of forced to rely on um, on uh, machine computation to, to form our beliefs for us. And that's a good note to wrap up on. Um, but what I want to say, I think what we should do for another podcast is is I should assign you to a task of 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 um, using these three different devices. These, you know, let's actually do it. And you'd have to research, you know, into what the you know machinations of each one is. Um, and then the more complicated bit is then actually do it. But well, um, each, three three of us can pick a crosstown objective, and we'll each use a different system to get there we go there we go i like that wouldn't it be boring if we all arrived there at the same time but um, okay all right although we might have had different Sounds interesting like an episode of top gear <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay as long as you don't punch the producer um okay let's stop there um chaps so that was averages um thank you very much um i think i'm clearer yeah i am i am clearer on on, on some things there so um thank you as always um to nick Hare and peter coghill of aleph insights um and until our next episode thank you bye-bye